early in the morning. He couldn't sleep. So he got up and he slipped out of camp and started walking towards the Jordan River. So much on his mind. So much stuff going through his mind. He finds a rock and he sits down and just looks out as the morning sky lightens and it becomes brighter and he looks out over the Jordan River and he sees that land spread out across the Jordan River. The high points, the mountains, the plains, and he says, wow, finally, finally it's going to happen. After 40 years, finally the Jordan River is going to flow. Sometimes, you know, and we've kind of been sharing this, that we get this mental picture of Scripture. And sometimes I think, you know, we, we see people in Scripture and they become superhuman, right? Never have any problems. God just does unbelievable stuff. And it's just like piece of cake stuff, right? Isn't that kind of how we see it? Yeah, but is, is, is that how it works? We're going to look at Joshua. And I love, I love the book of Joshua. This last week has been my favorite book. We're going to look at um, this whole concept we've been talking about, about thriving, because the people of Israel, you remember, they were stuck. Forty years they were stuck because God called them into the promised land, and um, they didn't want to go. It was too unsafe. It didn't feel good. It didn't feel right. How could this happen? We can't do this. So God says, okay, well, if you don't want to do it, that's fine. We'll just wait. And, and now Joshua is going to move them forward. And I want to talk a little bit more about practically getting unstuck. How do you get unstuck in, in just getting by? The attitude where you're just trying to get by. How do you get unstuck in your, in your marriage, in your relationship in your marriage? How do you get unstuck in your career? How do you get unstuck with the attitudes that you have about life or the behaviors that you have about life or the expectations that you have about life? How do you get out of that mentality of, well, 
I can, if I can just get by one more day, if I can just survive one more day, how do we get out of that survival mode? Well, I think the book of Joshua gives us some really, really great um, tools that we can utilize. So we're going to start in the book of Deuteronomy. So if you aren't sure where Deuteronomy is, you go to the beginning and then you go to Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Go to the very end of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 34. And we're going to just look at the last uh, four verses of Deuteronomy. Starting with verse 9, it says, Now Joshua the son of Nun was filled with the spirit of wisdom, for Moses had laid his hands on him. And the sons of Israel listened to him and did as the Lord had commanded Moses. Since that time, no prophet has risen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. For all the signs and wonders which the Lord sent him to perform in the land of Egypt against Pharaoh, all his servants and all his land, and for all the mighty power and for all the great terror which Moses performed in the sight of all Israel. Pretty impressive person, huh? I want to talk about what needs to happen if we're going to be people like Joshua who thrive in our future. The first thing I think that's critical to understand is that if we're really going to have a life that thrives, we need to be a disciple. We need to be a disciple. See, Joshua had Moses. Joshua was able to walk with Moses for year after year after year after year. He was able to watch Moses in his relationship with God. He was able to watch Moses grow in his relationship with God. He was able to watch Moses grapple with things that God was telling him to do and then do the things that God was telling him to do. He was able to watch Moses perform miracles and have conversations with God and have challenges in life and get through challenges in life. And I'm sure he asked Moses a ton of questions. And I'm sure he was challenged by Moses and how he thought and what his expectations were. See, discipleship is a critical part of us growing as people so that we can go do the things that God is calling us to do, so that we can be people who are thriving. I want to ask you, who is your Moses? Who is somebody that you're spending time with that's helping you grow spiritually in your relationship with God? See, Peter had Jesus. Peter walked with Jesus for three years and watched what he did and listened to what he said and, and absorbed what he taught. Peter got to do things with Jesus that were different, that, that were out of his comfort zone. Paul had Barnabas. Barnabas came alongside Paul at the beginning of his ministry and worked with him and moved him forward into what God wanted him to be. If you don't have somebody like that, you're going to struggle in being a person who thrives. Who's the person that's going to help you grow? Who's the person that's going to come alongside you when you're struggling? Who's the person that you can go to when you have questions? There needs to be people in your life that you can have a discipleship relationship with. If you don't have that, it's a struggle. So if you're going to thrive, think about that. Pray about that. Lord, who could you put into my life that could be a sharpening agent? The Bible says that, that we should sharpen one another as iron sharpens iron. That means you've got to come together. You've got to touch each other. You've got to rub against each other. You have to have a relationship with each other. We need to be people who are committed to being disciples and to discipling. That's intimate relationships. In our culture, we're so comfortable with just coming and going, coming and going, coming and going. And it's much easier that way, isn't it? Because then nobody gets to know me. Nobody knows all my baggage. Nobody knows what I do. Nobody knows my attitudes. Nobody knows what, you know. 
And then I can just be who I am. And then I can pretend I'm somebody for at least an hour a day. We all know we can fool somebody all the time, right? So at least an hour a day we can pretend. But how do you become somebody who thrives when not your experience? But if you're somebody who's in a discipling relationship with somebody who's helping you grow spiritually, you're going to become somebody that is growing and developing and being used by God in ways, God by in ways you probably never thought you would. See, the the the, the um, Israelites were stuck and they needed to get unstuck. And so Joshua had to be a person who could move along the plans that God had for him. He needed to be equipped by that. And same thing with you. God has a plan for you. I'm convinced of it. God wants you to thrive. I'm convinced of it. But he also needs you to be equipped to move when he calls. And that takes a relationship with people that will help you grow spiritually. Are you with, are you with me on that? Turn to the person next to you and say, you need a disciple. That's right. Wives are real quick to see that because the husbands, everybody else is going. <laughs> so let's move on to Joshua and look at some things that, that happened in Joshua's life that um, made a huge difference. I'm going to just read the first nine verses and then we're going to go back and unpack those nine verses. Starting with verse 1 of Joshua 1. Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I have given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness and this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea toward the setting of the sun, will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you, for I will not fail you or forsake you. Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Great stuff that the Lord comes and he talks to Joshua about. And I want us to spend some time looking at this and picking this apart a little bit and really going deep on some of these verses, because I think that what God is talking to Joshua about is exactly what his church needs in order to be a church that thrives. So let's look at the first thing. We're going we're to take the first two verses that um, God um, communicates to Joshua. He says, Now it came about after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, that the Lord spoke to Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' servant, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, cross this Jordan, you and all this people, to the land which I am giving to them, to the sons of Israel. You know what needs to happen? Not only do you need to be a disciple, not only do you need to be equipped to do what God wants you to do, but you need to be somebody who's willing to respond when God calls. See, God came to Joshua and said, Joshua, it's time to move. It's time to move. 
Joshua was called by God to take the people into the promised land. Joshua had a choice, respond or not respond, amen? We are called, we have choices. Do we respond or do we not respond? God is calling us to do great things. And here's the exciting thing. 40 years, the people were stuck. God says, Joshua, get unstuck. Let's move forward. See, the beautiful thing of responding to God's call is that God says, you know, where you're stuck, you don't need to be stuck anymore. What you've been going through, what's been holding you back, is no longer something that needs to hold you back. See, God's grace takes us forward. When he calls us, he equips us. And he wants to take us where we are today to where he wants to take us. His grace frees us from all the baggage that we're carrying, all the reasons that we've been stuck, all the attitudes that we have, all the lack of faith that we feel, all the things that are keeping us from doing what God wants to do, us to do. He frees us from that. In his call, he says, you are able to do it because I am with you. You guys got to listen to this because we get so stuck, but God, you can never use me because I did this or this happened in my life. You don't know how I feel. You don't know what it's like to have this go on in my life. You don't know what it's like to just fail time and time and time again. I'm not going to do that again. And we get stuck. And God calls us and says, you know what? Your past is forgiven. Move forward into the future I have for you guys. And here's the thing about God calling us that happens so often is the first thing that God says is he says, you know, um, my servant in verse 2, my servant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now think about that for, from Joshua's point of view. Moses was the person that they all leaned to, they all looked to. He's the guy that got him out of Egypt. He's the guy that got him through the promise, through the wilderness. He's the guy that performed all the miracles. He's the guy who saw God face to face. And God was taking that comfort zone, that 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 that. Um, you know, security blanket that Joshua had, and he's removing it. He's saying, Joshua, you're going to do this because I am the one who's doing it, not Moses. And see, so often, don't we go, well, you know, God, I'll listen to you, but it's got to be comfortable. I'll listen to you, but it's got to make sense. I'll respond to the call as long as th these things are all in order. Isn't that right? Don't we think that way so often? Well, I, I would do that, God, but that makes no sense at all. God's call to us doesn't have to make sense. God's going to remove the security blankets so that we have to move out and trust him. That's a critical thing for us to understand because when we begin to trust God's power and we begin to trust God's abilities, then we can do way more than what we could do. Amen? I mean, turn to the person next to you and say, God can do way more than you can. Now, say amen to that person. See, God wants to release us through our past. He wants to release us from those safe places. And he wants to move us into areas where he can do amazing things. God is in the business of taking ordinary people and doing, doing extraordinary stuff because he's the one who does it. And then as we get into um, verse 3 and 3, 4, and 5, it says, Every place on which the sole of your foot treads, I've given it to you, just as I spoke to Moses. From the wilderness... And this Lebanon, even as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, as far as the great sea, toward the setting of the sun will be your territory. No man will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I have been with Moses, I will be with you. I will not fail you or forsake you. 
See, when God calls us, God equips us. The grace of God frees us as we respond to him, but the promises of God fuels us as we move forward in the call that he has for us. See, when you're free and you're fueled, there's just nothing that God can't do through you. What an exciting place to be. And I tell you, it takes faith. It takes faith for us to get to that point where God is able to move us out of our comfort zone, move us out of survival mode, move us out of our safety into his call for us. And as he does that, we're going to do things that we've never done before. I mean, if you're taking notes, this is something to write down. Only when I do what I have not done before will I get to places I've never been before. I mean, that, that's good, isn't it? Let me, let, me, let me read that again. Only when I do what I have not done before will I get to places I've never been before. See, it's very uncomfortable to be a person responding to what God's calling us to be. To be. Because here's the thing, if, if, if something happens that, that I can actually control, who would tend to get the credit for that? Me, right? I mean, I can do that. Yeah, exactly. But if God calls me to something that's even bigger than me, then, then how can I take credit for that? I mean, how could, Mo, how could Peter get out of the boat and start walking on water and then get back in the boat and go, did you guys see what I did? That was unbelievable. I can walk on, I mean, there's no way Peter could go, well, yeah, of course. Call me Super Peter. I mean, the, God, there's, the only way that could happen was the power of God did it miraculously. I mean, you think that there's some way that when Moses got on the other side of the Red Sea and he stood back and he watched it close down on the Egyptian army, he go, I am good. I am. I didn't know I was that good. I mean, there's no way. See, when, when God moves and when God um, gives us his promises, he does it in ways that all we could do is look and go, praise the Lord. I mean, there is no other way that could happen except God is big and God is good and God is carrying out his plans in my life. But he's going to call us into those experiences going to take away our security blankets. He's going to call us and promise to us he's going to do it. And then we're going to have to trust that he can do it. And he's going to take us places we've never been before. He's going to do it in ways we've never seen before. So that we know who does it and we know who gets the credit and we know who gets the glory. We love to get the glory, don't we? And then as we continue through this chapter, this is a good chapter. I mean, these are the most powerful nine verses. As we go to verse um, 6 through 8, it says, Be strong and courageous, for you shall give this people possession of the land which I swore to the fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Be careful to do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, so that you may have success wherever you go. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Now, I, I, think, I think Joshua was struggling a little bit. I mean, if you don't think Joshua had any concerns about this thing, 
If you think Joshua is just going, man, this is going to be the best thing in the world, read how many times God says, be strong and courageous in, this, in these nine verses. God must have known something. And he's going to say that to you and to me a lot. Be strong and courageous because you're going to do stuff you've never done before. And in order for that to happen, <laughs> excuse me, you need to build a relationship with God. I mean, this is critical. I can't emphasize this enough. For us to have a life that thrives, we have to have a daily growing relationship with God. We have to develop a sensitivity to a spirit. We have to know what his voice sounds like. We have to be discerning what he says with us. We have to be very comfortable just talking to him, sharing our hearts with him, listening to him. I mean, he spends some time really making sure Joshua understands that it's critical that he has a relationship with God, that he learns to hear God's voice, and that he's able to respond. There's four things I want us to see that God talks to Joshua about when he, when he lays this out. First in verse 7, he says this. He says, do according to all the law which Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do according to all the law which my ser servant Moses commanded you. Do it. Do it. Don't think about it. Don't ponder it. Don't wonder. Don't question. Don't argue. Just do it. You think Nike is so smart they came up with that? Man, God came up with that thousands of years ago. Just do it. Just do it. We go, come on, God. Let me, I mean, really? Love my enemy? Really? Come on. Are you serious? I worked so hard for this money. You want to give this? You want me to give it away? I mean, I worked for it. They could work. You want me to behave this way? You want me a servant? I mean, if I want to be great, I'm supposed to be a servant? I, really? God says, just do it. But we have to have a relationship with God for that to happen. <laughs> and then he says in, in verse 7, the next, verse, the next section, he says, do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you may have success wherever you go. See, not only do we need to do it, but we need to stay the course. We need to stay the course. When God has given us some direction, we need to stay the course. We need to do it, and we need to continue to do it. Because that's how we're going to have success in doing what God is asking us to do, is when we continue to do it. But so often we start doing it, and we go, wow, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. There must be a plan B. There must be an easier way. Maybe I didn't hear right. Maybe I made a mistake. Well, one of the ways to know that is have somebody who's close to you, who you can go to and say, hey, was, am I, was I reading this right? That's why you need a disciple, right? So that you can continue to stay the course, so you have somebody who's helping you stay the course. We aren't going to thrive in life if we go, well, maybe this is it, well, maybe this is it, well, maybe this is it, well, I don't think this is it, and we're bouncing all over the place. And then, then he goes on and he says that, that this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. And we talk about discipling relationships, and we talk about relationships, but we should be a people who um, are committed to talking about what God's teaching us through Scripture. That it, that it doesn't depart from our mouth. That, that means that we're talking about it. That means it's in our mouth. That means that we're communicating about, with it. That means we're talking to other people about it. You know, I walk around Christian circles all the time, and now we talk about the angels. And we're not talking about the angels. We're talking about the angels or the Dodgers. 
or whether the Rams are coming to town or not, or whether you know, Trump is really a bum or not, and whether Hillary's really a liar and she should be in jail. I mean, we talk about all kinds of stuff. But, but you know, we don't talk about Ezekiel, or we don't talk about Moses, or we don't talk about Joshua, or we don't talk about Peter, or we don't talk about Paul. We don't talk about what we were reading in the book of 1 Corinthians. That should be what we're talking about. That should be the stuff that's not departing from our mouth. And then he goes on in verse 8, the second half of verse 8, when he says, but you shall meditate on it day and night. You have to internalize that stuff that God's saying. So, so here's the thing, you guys. We talked about this last Sunday, and I want to revisit it, because this is one of the challenges with our Christian churches today, is we think that if we come one hour a week, we're good. Is that right? So I turn to the person next to you and go, no way. That's right. 20, we go six days and 23 hours of letting the world feed us, taking in all the stuff that our flesh feeds us, taking in all the stuff that the world feeds us, and then we come to church for one hour, maybe an hour and a half if somebody gets long-winded. <laughs> Usually it's Doug, not me. And then we think we're good. And then we wonder why, well, I just don't know what God's saying to me. He's saying a lot of stuff to you. You just are never there. See, a personal relationship with God is a daily personal relationship that you have with the living God. You know his heart. You hear his voice. You respond to his voice. You spend time with him. You talk to him. You listen to him. His word is a living word. This is his communication. You shouldn't have to go searching the house on Sunday morning going, where the heck is my Bible? And now we don't even have to because it's on our cell phone and we never leave our cell phones behind. Right? I mean, this stuff should be stuff that we're looking at every day and we're meditating on it, we're memorizing it, we're applying it. It's becoming a part of our life. That's the relationship that we have with God. We should be talking to each other about it. See, the reason we don't have disciples is because we don't care enough about this to know what to talk about if we did sit down with somebody. Amen? Don't be quiet just because I'm telling the truth. Okay? You have Doug next week. He can be mad at me like for a long time because he'll probably never leave again. See, a relationship with God is so critical for us to have. You guys... We're so lazy in really developing a deep, internal relationship with God. Getting to know his heart, memorizing his scripture, meditating on it, thinking about it, working it through. <laughs> but here's the thing, he says, that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. Now listen, you guys. We hear that stuff, and people preach on that stuff, and we just love those messages about prosperity and wealth and God, what God wants for us. And you know what? I think the promised land was a pretty amazing place <coughs> from the feedback that was given. But I'll tell you, prosperity and success is defined by God, and it's defined by God's call for you. 
see Bob and Judy are living a prosperous and successful life because they're doing what God has called them to do. Now, if we spend six days and 23 hours of our life letting the world tell us what prosperous and successful looks like, that's not it. Amen? Amen. We miss it, you guys. We miss it. Because what we're letting the world define as prosperous and successful is not God's definition. Prosperous and successful is somebody who listens to what God is calling them to do and responds to what God is calling them to do and is successful in fulfilling what God has called them to do. Are you with me? But you can't know that if six days and 23 hours the world is telling you what it looks like and then one hour you're trying to get all that other noise out to listen to what God has to say to you about it. A relationship with God is so critical. That has to be a priority that totally changes our schedule. Because if it's not happening, then you are out of your priorities. I don't care what you have going on. If it's more important than you listening to the voice of God, and spending time with the living God, your priorities are out of order. Are you with me? Okay, can I leave that point? Because I think it's critical. Paul writes to the church in, in Roman, and he says this. I'm not leaving the point, I lied. <laughs> Therefore I urge you, brethren, I didn't lie, I misspoke. Therefore I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may approve what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. See, that's, that's the relationship that we have. That's the transformation that occurs as we renew our mind, that we understand what the perfect will of God is. And that's a great definition of what success is. And here's the thing for us, because isn't this true? I mean, don't we have so much external stimulus that it is really tough to be quiet? I mean, how many of you, you could be honest, how many of you, if it's quiet for like more than 15 seconds, have to turn on a radio or a CD or an iPad, iPod, something that has music on it, right? We just can't stand it. We can't stand quiet. And, and, and we have to become a people who really understand the value of solitude and allowing God to work in our minds, to renew our minds, to do a transforming work in our minds. To be quiet. See, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Solitude is a place where you begin to find out the truth about your mind. So when you can be still and really allow things to start to surface, you begin to realize the truth about your mind. And then solitude doesn't begin to transform my mind. It begins to reveal my mind. And then over time, my mind's transformed as God shows me the things that need to happen in my life and in my mind and in my thought process and how I see things. Does that make sense? I want to go through something that's really quick that I started to do when... Um, I first became a Christian. When I first became a Christian, spending time alone with God was a priority. Um, being discipling relationships was a priority. 
And it was something that, that Marge and I just learned early in our relationship with Christ. And it's critical. And so there's, there's a, a tool that, that we use when we study scripture. So if you're thinking, well, I'd love to study the Bible, but when I read it, it doesn't make any sense, and I, I just don't know how to do it, I don't know what to do, it just seems, it gets frustrating. So here's something that you can do that will help you. It's just an acronym. And it's, it's a T-P-R-O-A-P-T, two pro-op, we call it, okay? And so here's the process. If you want to sit down and study scripture, the first thing you want to do is pray. Invite God into the time. Make it a habit that you do every day, whatever time. I don't think there's a day that's more spiritually uh, blessed than any other time of the day. If you're a morning person, I wouldn't expect you to do it at 6 in the morning. If you're a night person, probably, I mean, if you're a morning person, 6 in the morning, good. I love the mornings, yeah. But if you're a night person, 6 in the morning might not be so good. But if you're, not, if you're a morning person, probably 10 o'clock at night probably not great either. But a night person, that might be a perfect time. So you pray. Then you preview. You look at the chapter in its, in its totality. You kind of look at what does it say. Well, Mo, Joshua's going to be crossing the Jordan. He's going to be going. You know, he's going to be doing some cool stuff. So you look at what God, what the passage is saying, and then you make some observations that are more detailed observations. What does it really say? Wow, God sure seems to say, "Be brave and courageous" a whole bunch of times. I wonder why He said that. And I started looking at. Wow, He tells them to really to to. He talks about the law a lot in the middle there. He just talks about meditating on it. He talks about not letting it depart from your mouth. I mean, what does that mean? And then I start studying it. I may go online and pull up some commentary. I may text or email Doug and say, Doug, what does this say? I don't, what does this mean? I don't really get it. I want to I dig in and figure out what it says. It could be a small little section of scripture, but I want to figure out what it says. Because once I understand what it says, then I want to find out what it says to me. How do I apply that? How, do I, how does that become something that changes my life? Because you guys, that is what transforms you. That's what changes your life. That's what re renews your mind. Is when your mind becomes full of God's word and what God has to say. And then I pray, God, please make this a part of my life. Make this something that changes who I am. That continues to change me from the inside out. And then tell somebody about it. Talk to somebody about it. We should be talking a whole lot more about what we're studying in Scripture and a whole lot less about all that other stuff that really doesn't mean anything. And in that whole process, be somebody that memorizes Scripture, that meditates on it, that continually allows it to be something that you just chew on all day long and all week long. Because I promise you, if you, if you get into the Word and you start saying, God, help this become a part of my life, Help me to be somebody that really begins to thrive in life. Teach me how to love my wife the way you love the church. You know what he's going to do? He's going to give me the chance. I hate it when he does that. He's, he's going to give me ways to love Marge that I don't like. I don't want to do that. He's going to do things that will change me, that will let me apply the stuff that he wants to have happen in my life. That's how I thrive doesn't feel good, I don't like it, but I change. I'm transformed. <coughs> that only happens if you have a daily relationship with God, just an ongoing daily relationship. 
If you have a relationship with somebody and you're a disciple and you can talk to each other about it, that's, that's, where, it, that's where it gets internalized even deeper and stronger. <coughs> and then verse 9. <coughs> Probably not in Romans, right? Spiritual service, verse 9 is out there. Verse 9 says this, Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. And listen to this, it says, Do not tremble or be dismayed. Huh. I read that, I go, huh. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. <coughs> so he says, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous, do not tremble or be dismayed. I mean, what the heck is God thinking? What's, he, what, what's going on? What is he trying to help Joshua understand? Well, what's Joshua going to do? He's going to go conquer the promised land. So the fifth thing I want you to understand is that you need to expect conflict if God calls you, but you need to know that God is with you. He was calling Joshua to cross the Jordan River into the Promised Land and conquer the land. Do you think there's going to be a little bit of a war? Do you think there's going to be a little bit of a battle? Think maybe somebody might get hurt? Listen, we've talked about this a lot. And, and, and sometimes it's hard for us to get this. You guys, we are in a war. Jesus said this, the thief comes what? To have a party? To hang out with you and just you know help you. The thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. Okay, so the ruler of this world wants to do three things in your life. He wants to kill, to steal, and destroy. You okay with that? God says, I want you to move in and I want you to thrive. You think you might get a couple of shots in? You're going into a conflict. When God calls you, expect a conflict. Expect things to happen that aren't going to be comfortable. Now listen, you're taking notes. Here's one more thing you can write down. If you are trusting God, you need to be obedient even when it's not easy. See, faith is all about obedience even when it's the harder road. See, Joshua's calling you know, his, him and, and, and the people into a war. They're going into the promised land. They're going to situations that aren't comfortable. I mean, Joshua's looking at the Jordan River. The Jordan River is flooding. He's got thousands of people that need to get across the Jordan River. He's going, how in the heck is that going to happen? God says, get the priest to put an ark on their shoulder and walk out into the Jordan River. Great plan, God. I mean, you know, if, 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 I, if I see a flood... Usually, my strategy is to grab something heavy and go jump in the river. I don't know about you guys, but usually that wouldn't be my strategy. He says, man, you're going you're gonna to have to conquer this walled city. The walls are, are you know, dozens of feet wide. They're, they're tall. So here, here's what you do. Just walk around it for seven weeks. The seventh week, now we're really going to do something awesome. We're just going to blow some trumpets and shout. Sounds great strategy. See, see when, when we go into a conflict, we need to know that we're going into a conflict, but we have God with us. He said, don't be dismayed. Don't, don't have fear. Know that I am with you. Don't tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. So if you know that God is with you, you can do things that don't make sense. And so often we're, we're, we're surrounded by things in our culture that doesn't make sense. What God calls us to do with our finances or our sexuality, when we look at it in the context of what our culture is telling us, it's, it, it doesn't make sense. 
because everything that we're hearing is counter to what God is telling us his word is saying. And if we can be somewhere where we understand that, that God is calling us to be set apart from what's going on in the world, and we can begin to be people of a relationship with God to the degree that we hear him and respond to him, we can be a people who thrive. Because here, here, here's something else you can write down. This is, this, is, this is important for us to understand. Never expect God's best to be easy. Never expect God's best to be easy. See, we need to be willing to obey when it doesn't make sense. We need to be willing to obey when it's not easy. We need to be willing to obey in our marriages when we don't like it. We need to be willing to obey with our finances when we don't like it. We need to be willing to obey in our schedules when we don't like it, when it's not easy, when it doesn't make sense. But if we're spending time with God and we know that it's God who called us and we know that it's God who's empowering us, then we can obey. It doesn't have to be easy. It doesn't have to make sense. We just need to believe that that's what God is calling us to. And then respond. You know, I, I'm convinced that God has a great tomorrow for all of us here. That he wants us to thrive. He wants us to move out of where we're stuck. And no matter what has you stuck, no matter what's gone on in your past that's gotten you stuck in believing that you can't do anymore, that you can't get any farther, that you can't progress anymore, God is telling you that he wants to move you into the promises he has for you. He wants you to thrive in this life that he's called you to. He wants you to respond to what he's calling you to and then to have a deep enough relationship with him to know that he is with you. He's going to call you to do stuff that you've never done before. He's going to call you to let go of things that, that you're holding on to that, that's keeping you secure, that's helping you to feel good. See, I feel much more comfortable if things start getting rough and I can just stop. I feel much more comfortable if there's conflict and I just lose my temper and get mad and yell and holler and scream. And then everybody kind of gets away and it settles down and now we're good again. I feel much more comfortable if I just don't move. See, you don't know, Dave, what I've been through. You don't know what's happened in my life. You don't know how hard it is. You don't, you don't understand. All I know is this, is that God said that he is never going to leave you and he's never going to forsake you. See, when you read the books of Exodus and Joshua, they're written for you saying, don't settle for just don't stay in survival mode for his sake. They're saying, look, you have the presence of God. You have the power of God. You have the promises of God. God is for you. Just like Jesus told his disciples, I will never leave you nor forsake you. God told Joshua, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The thing that we have to to get our arms around is it's really not what's being asked of us. It's who's doing the asking. Amen? Amen? It's not what God's asking you to do. It's who is asking you to do it. See, and when we get that, when we understand that, we can expect God to ask big things of us. Because he's behind us. 
moving through what he's asked us to do. And when he accomplishes it, he knows he is the one who's going to get the glory. That's good news. See, when I'm at a place where all I can do is go praise the Lord, <laughs> I have no idea. Just praise the Lord. Because he did it, and he gets the glory. He's got great plans for you guys. Could be the guy at work that he wants you to talk to that's been the bug in you for the last several years, and he just wants you to love him. It could be that relative that you have had a rift with for the last several years, and he wants you to call and say, hey, can we get this right? Could be your, your relationship with your spouse, and you just need to come back together and say, yeah, you know, we're just getting by. Man, can we figure out how to make this marriage one that was alive like it was when it started? It could just be your attitude. I can just wake up another day. That's all I'll say. See, God wants to take you from where you are, and he wants to move you into his promises in a life that is thriving, and that's exciting, and that's significant, and that's eternal. Amen?